Son, the Holy Spirit, no one God, amen. This morning's gospel is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Today the church is preparing us for the Great Lent, and we call this Sunday the Sunday of Preparation. And the church wants mostly that our bodies try to be beyond our material needs and to be on the same level of our spiritual. We always say during the Holy Lent it's a journey for or through repentance. And the three basic aspects for the Great Lent journey are what was read this morning. Charitable giving, prayer and fasting. Most of us, when we go through Lent or any fasting, usually think about the food aspect. But going hand in hand are the other two, prayer and charitable giving, not just fasting. We also note that these are virtues. We work on our virtues during fasting. And there's a requirement or a conditioned order that God accepts these three. The first condition for acceptable is the charity or the giving part before God. When we give or do any charitable deeds, we should do it in secret, just like our Lord said in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 or 4. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your right, left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Very clear, isn't it? So when you do something, don't tell anyone about it. Do it between you and the person or the charitable place. It's you, and this is what God wants. And when you do this, God will reward you openly. The other point is charitable giving should be according to one's ability. As long as you're able to. Just like the widow who put the two mites out of her needs, out of her livelihood, instead of going and buying food for her kids or, or uh, you know, getting clothes or something that she needs, she went and put it in the temple. She offered it to God. She felt that this is more important that, than her needs. As long as you're able to, and I know these days a lot of us, we have enough, and we can give out of what we have. The third is charitable giving should be according to your will, that you want to give. It's not something that you have to do. When you come to church and give your tithes, it doesn't mean that you must give your tithes. It's something that you like doing, something that out of your own will. And in the Old Testament, Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2, when the Lord spoke to Moses, he said to him, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You're not going to offer anything 
just because you need to or it's, it's something that you must do. No, you have to do it willingly, out of your heart. And also, the other point is doing it joyfully, doing it with a cheerful, cheerful giving. And this is St. Paul in second letter, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do it with joy and happiness. The, uh, the fifth point is charitable giving should be with generosity. And the strong example of this is in the old church of Macedonia. St. Paul, in second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 to 5, he said, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction and abundance, their joy and their deep poverty abundant in riches of the liberty. Obviously, this church became poor because they gave all their riches to the early church of St. Paul. It was a rich church in Macedonia, and because of the, the generosity, what did they do? They gave all their money. All the families gave all their money. In the early church, people shared their wealth. So whatever you had, you gave to the early church. So they gave freely and willingly. An amazing church. They even begged St. Paul to accept their offerings. So these five points about charitable giving is important. Do it in secret, according to one's ability, doing it willingly and also with joy and generosity. The second condition for this great Lent that God accepts our prayers. Also, when we pray, we do it in secret. Now, I know we're today we're praying. This is a, an assembly. It's different from doing it in your own home, personally, your personal prayers. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 6, says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Again, we have our personal prayers, our family prayers, where we get together and pray mom and dad and the, and the kids. Then we have the assembly prayer, which we have here. There's a nice verse that I see uh, sometimes hanged in, in people's homes, which says in Joshua 24, verse 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you don't have it, try and find it and hang it up in your homes. Each home is a small church that we offer and pray. Concerning the assembly prayers that we pray here, and the verse that says, two or three again in my name, I'm in the midst of them, <clears throat> is what's really important. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, it is said, they continued in prayer, and they uh, breaking the bread, taking communion from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, pleasing God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily. When we pray, we pray 
feeling the Holy Spirit with us. And St. Paul to the Ephesians 6, verse 18 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So when we're praying, it's just not a matter of words, but we feel that the Holy Spirit is working with us. Prayer should all be, also be done through faith. If we're just standing there and just mumbling words, we don't believe in what we're saying, we don't believe that this prayer that we're praying isn't going to be accepted, then it's in vain. There's no need to pray then. You have to believe that what you're saying to God, God is listening. We get a lot of people saying, oh, God's not listening to me. But he is. It's just the timing maybe is not right for you. James, St. James 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without any doubting. When we come and pray, we should not have any grudges against anyone or any hurt against anyone, but we pray for the forgiveness of others. And St. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So when you're... Because sometimes it's very difficult to pray when you're upset from someone. Isn't that right? We all, we all have that. So forgive and ask God to forgive them also. The other condition is you need to offer your prayer to God from your heart. Again, it's not just words. And Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12 and 13 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Also in Lamentations 3.41 let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. So we do it with our hearts. In prayer, we do it in humility, without any pride, because it's impossible to talk to God with, if you have an ego or pride. Really difficult. In the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, we see the difference between the two. One has pride and exaltation and... It's all about himself. The other, in meekness and humility, asks for forgiveness. Also in prayer, we should be persistent. Always. The struggle of Jacob with God, the Old Testament. Jacob says to our Lord, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he blessed him there. So in prayer... Being persistent is very important also. Just like the judge and the, un, the unjust judge and the widow who kept on nagging him to do for, for her what he wanted, and at the end he did. The prayer should be at all times and any time. It's not only when you're standing in your room or in church or with your family, even walking or working or any time. This is what we used to do in the monastery. Even during 
while we're work, uh, working in the fields or with people or whatever, our minds are always in prayer. So these eight points concerning prayer, I'll repeat them again. We pray in secret. We pray in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. We pray with faith. We pray forgiving others. We pray from our hearts in humility, in persistence, and in all times. The third and last condition is that our fasting is acceptable before God. Many fasts, many, many of us think that fasting is only fasting of food, and especially Lent, it's a bit difficult because it's vegan food. There's no animal products at all. And some of our youth have great difficulty, especially when they're dorming in, in their colleges or universities or schools, very difficult for them to fast. Uh, sometimes they, they can't find food or they have to cook for themselves and it's not easy, but trust me these days, there's a, a diet called the vegan diet. A lot of people are fasting without knowing. They enjoy eating vegan food. So really the meaning of fasting has changed if it's concerning the food. But we have to, when we fast, we shouldn't concentrate too much about the food or how to cook the food or how pleasurable it is, but just eat what is present, what you have as vegan food. It doesn't need to be pleasant. Daniel, the prophet, actually said this. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three, four weeks. I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. So he means here that we should not eat anything that makes us pleasurable. Uh, and we sometimes, you know, try and cook certain foods that looks like or tastes like uh, non-fasting. And there's a lot, of, a lot of these foods out in the shopping centers. A spiritual person, when he starts fasting, he humiliates his body so that his body becomes on the same level as his spiritual body, spiritual soul. Overcoming the desire of food so that you don't enjoy the desires of food. Abstaining from the materialism and longing for the life with God during fasting. Um, fasting should be accompanied accompanied by confession. And this is the idea of repentance. So during fasting, we should be living the life of confession. In Nehemiah 9, verse 1 and 2, it said, The children of Israel were assembled with fasting in sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Then those of Israel lingered, aligned, separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and their iniquities to their fathers. So it was a group confession. Fasting should be accompanied by prayers to God. 
we see that fasting and prayer go hand in hand. Isaiah 8, verse 23 says, So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. And Daniel 9, 3 says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting sackcloth and ashes. Fasting should be accompanied by compassionate deeds. Any good deed that you can do to others is a form of fasting that is acceptable before God. And also we should be doing it without hypocrisy. Matthew 6.16 says, When you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. So when we come to fast, we consider it's not just the food aspect, but we should be repenting and confessing. We should be, our heart should be towards God, and our deeds should be compassionate to others and without hypocrisy. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.